Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, this morning I want to open a passage I've preached on many times, and I want to bring some encouragement to your spirit today. We're going to talk from Ezekiel chapter 37, the valley of dry bones this morning. And I pray today that God's Word would minister directly to your spirit. I pray today at the end of this Word that you will stand up in the fullness of Christ that you will, the call of God on your life is to grow to the stature of the fullness of the man, Christ Jesus. Don't be stunted in your growth today. And, uh, and Ezekiel's taken into this valley of dry bones. It wasn't a literal valley. It was a vision that God gave him in the spirit. But as real as I'm standing in front of you today, as real was this vision that Ezekiel experienced with the Lord that day. And God was speaking directly to the people of Ezekiel's day through this vision. And I pray today that God will speak directly to your spirit as we open the Word of God to this magnificent passage of Scripture. Reading from Ezekiel 37.1, Then the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. It's amazing what you can see in the Spirit. You can do flyovers in the Spirit when God takes you out of the natural realm and you begin to see through the eyes of God. Incredible. And remember, Joel said, in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And remember, he said, your sons and daughters, they'll prophesy, they'll dream dreams, and they'll have visions. This is for us today, amen? We are in the last days. So he passed by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. We all know what dry bones feels like spiritually. It's one of the most difficult places to be in in your Christian life. When you know that Jesus has promised you to have life and more abundance, and yet you feel like you're one of these dry bones. Not just dry, but very dry bones. So it's an enigma. Verse 3, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter uh, into you and you shall live. I'm just thinking of Kirsten this morning. Are you thinking of her right now? What an amazing miracle of God. You shall live. He gave you that scripture. Well, we're right on target because she used the scripture I gave the church last week of the woman with the issue of blood and now she's had the scripture that we're bringing this week. Isn't that amazing how the Holy Spirit does that? And that's what happens when you're planted in the house. When you're planted in the house, there's an interconnection through the roots. You know, even in the ecosystem, the roots of trees share nutrients in the soil. Isn't it amazing? 
And the bigger trees in the ecosystem pass nutrients on to the smaller trees. Fantastic picture of what, how the God moves in the body of Christ. Side note. All right. He said, thus says, verse five, the Lord God of these bones, surely I'll cause breath to enter and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin. Praise God for that. Imagine us walking around without skin. And put breath in you (laughs) and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. The skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Also, He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as He commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then He said to me, Son of Man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Son of man, this is the church. The equivalent of the church of the Old Testament. This is what this picture and this vision represents. It represents a church that's dry. A church with bleach bones. A church that's disconnected. A church that's lying in their individual sadness and state of aloneness in that valley of dry bones where there's no connection, there's no teamwork, there's no life, there's no breath of God. What a sad state of affairs. But when the Holy Ghost came, when the Spirit of the Lord was prophesied, when the man of God did what God told him to do and the breath came, then suddenly the army of God stood up on their feet and took their place in the rank and file of the army of God this morning. Because of the Ruach, the wind, the breath of God. You see, we can have form, we can have shape, but if we don't have the life of God in us, then we're like, we're like what Paul prophesied to Timothy, that we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power. We don't want just a body. We want a body that's filled with the breath. Of God. This last time, church, this last, the church of the last days is a church that has stood up on its feet because they've received the breath of God, because they've received the life of God, because they're not relying on manpower, but they're relying on God power. And he said to me, These bones are dry, our hope is lost, and ourselves we are cut. Off. I want to give you three simple reasons, friends, why we can be in the state of these dry bones in the valley. The first reason that the prophet states as to the reason why these bones were, this, the, the children of Israel was in this sorry condition was that they said, these bones are dry. They're dry bones. You know, when we become dry, we become open ground and fodder for the enemy's 
mind games. You know, it's the battleground of the mind, isn't it, church? It's the battleground that we all face. You have a mind? Yes, we all have a mind. And the Bible says that in Christ, we have the mind of Christ or we have the capability of the mind of Christ. But so often there's so many games being played in our mind. And when we get dry, when we experience that dryness, we become open ground for discouragement, for despair. We become open ground for the enemy's tactics within our lives. And we become open many times. You know, the, the, great, uh, the great sickness of the day that we live in, friends, like never before, the psychologists are saying that this has never, ever happened before in the face of our modern times where anxiety is the disease of the millennial generation. Many, many millennials are struggling to face every day without panic attacks, without anxiety going on within their lives. Their bones are dry. But praise God, Proverbs 15, 13 says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. That word sorrow literally means by injury, by pain or by wound. By injury of the heart, by pain in the human heart, by the wounds of the human heart, it says there, that the Spirit breaks. The Spirit doesn't necessarily break from physical extremities, our physical extremities and from external pressures, but the Spirit breaks through injury of the heart through pain of the heart. Never before have we had a generation with so much pain in the human heart that the spirit breaks. But praise God, Proverbs 17, two chapters later, verse 22 says this, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Like a medicine literally means it works a good healing. A merry heart works a good healing. Laughter, joy, happiness works a great healing in the human heart. You see, a broken spirit's the opposite of a joyful spirit. A broken spirit is when you give up. A broken spirit is when you tap out. But a merry heart, the Bible declares to us, has a continual feast. It's the opposite of a broken spirit. A joyful heart will literally bring health to your body. Amen this morning. But a joyless heart lowers our resistance to illness. And you'll find that many people who are depressed pick up other physical issues within their life because they have no joy or happiness within their spirit. And their whole body, is the resistance level to illness and disease is lowered. You know, I'm amazed at how many Christians trying to sanctify misery. The more miserable you are, the more holy you are. I'm so unhappy, but I'm so close to Jesus. Come on, give me a break this morning. The Bible calls us to be a blessed people. You know what the word blessed means? Happy, happy. When God blesses us, we're a happy people. We're a joyful people. So what causes a dry, broken spirit? What causes those dry bones? 
Well, there's a whole lot of issues, friends. And many of you in this room have experienced them. Many before coming to Christ, some of you experienced since you've come to know Jesus Christ within your life, where you've been through the disappointment of a broken relationship, the disappointment of a marriage that's gone the wrong way, the disappointment of dreams and hopes that you once had that seem so far away now. Perhaps you've faced a serious illness within your life. And you've never really fully recovered from that. Or you know somebody who's had a serious illness and it's really caused you to doubt the Word of God. The devil loves to play on that one. If you're so great, God, why did you allow my brother to die? I had a brother that was 11 months younger than me, died of cancer at the age of 23 when I was 24 in my first year of ministry. He was, a, he was the opposite of me. He was quiet and reserved. Isn't it amazing? This is, I look at my own children and I think, how can these children come out of the same mother? <laughs> I did have something to do with it somewhere along the way. <laughs> But you know, my brother, he was quiet, he was reserved, he kept to himself. And what none of us knew was that he had a testicle that was growing and growing and growing in size. And then he started coughing and my mother was a registered uh, practice nurse and uh, she noticed that he'd had this long-term cough and then one day he rung her up, quivering in his voice. He said, I think I've got something wrong with me, mum. And she said, where? He said, my testicle. So hard for young men to talk about such private issues. And you know, he had dreams. He was a farmer through and through. My, you know, I came off a farm. I lived off a farm. And he had farming in his blood. And he had dreams to own his own farm. He was already well on the way. He was a disciplined saver. He was, he was disciplined in many ways of his life. And there I am. At this point in time, I'm the only Christian in my family. The, the, the former black sheep became a white sheep in the family. And I would go and pray for my brother. I'd go and visit him. And, and by the time he went to see the doctor, he went and saw the doctor where my mother was working as a practice nurse and he came out with a grave look on his face and he said, we have, we have to get him to surgery immediately. What none of us realised was that he was carrying a testicle the size of an orange where the primary cancerous tumour began, but because he'd left it for so long, he could have saved his life. It was exactly the same issue that Lance Armstrong had. Exactly the same cancer. Lance Armstrong lived, my brother didn't live because he left it too long. And so they cut it out and by the God's grace, he had 12 months and in that 12 months, he found Jesus. So the disappointment and the sadness and the experience of, that we were all having as a family, that, you know, when, when, we, when we saw him come to Christ, when we saw him water baptised, you know, when he breathed his last breath, do you know I wasn't there, but my mother was there. And my mother said it was unbelievable that as he gave up his last breath, a large smile came on his face as his spirit left his body and his soul went to his maker. She said it was incredible. There was such peace in the room. 
You see, God wants to turn our sorrow into joy. God wants to change those dry bones within our life. God wants us to get that Spirit, the Spirit of God inside of us to begin to release it, to change our circumstances and our situations. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. We begin to start feeling a bit dry and instead of going to Jesus to solve the problem, we talk to everybody else about the way that we're feeling, but we don't go to God. We don't go to the source of somebody where Jesus said, I'm, I'm like, a, if you come to me, I'm like a fountain of living water. And if you taste of this water, you'll never thirst again. But we go here, there and everywhere. We go to every other well except for the well that can fix us and come to Jesus on bended knee with a thirsty and a, a heart that says, God, I need to make sure I don't get buried in this condition and state that I'm feeling in. Or we have unresolved issues. I talked a little bit about that last week with the woman with an issue of blood. We have unresolved issues within our lives and we leave them too long. And it's like anything. It was like my brother, he left it too long. And in the end of the day, that's what cost him his life. But the joy of the Lord is your strength today. The opposite of those dry bones, that dry spirit is when joy comes into our spirit. And you know, joy literally releases chemicals into our body that chomp, 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 that march around your body, in your bloodstream, that can literally change the physical feeling that you have in your body. Have you ever watched a decent, clean comedy and sat there and laughed your head off with somebody? And yet at the end of it, you feel so cool. You know why? Because a whole lot of endorphins entered your bloodstream and manifested and suddenly you were feeling so good. Well, that's what God wants to do with us continuously. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The Lord spoke to me as I was praying for Fiji this week. And the Lord said to me, a sign for the people in Fiji is gonna be a manifestation of joy over the team this coming week that there's gonna be joy released all over us and through us that is gonna cause people to sit up and take notice. But it's true, friends. Who loves pavlova? Do we have any pavlova lovers here? Come on, two hands, two hands. Amen, amen. You know, I love a decent, high, tall, you know, two-storey pavlova. With that, with that beautiful, rich, whipped, not fake cream, the real cream, the real deal. You know, that's been mixed together and it's just the perfect texture. It's not too thick. It's not too light. And then the golden kiwi fruit, just all, you know, beautifully positioned around the top of the pavlova. Guess what just happened? You visualise something in here and it caused a chemical reaction in your body. It's called saliva. <laughs> and that's what happens when joy comes into us. When joy comes into us, it creates a chemical response in us. Suddenly we can see through the end of the week. Suddenly we can see through the end of the month. Instead of being buried in that depression, being buried by those dry bones, we can see that there is hope ahead for us. Hallelujah. Second thing they said, the first thing they said, our, our bones are dry. And the second thing they said is our hope 
is lost. They, you know, if a merry heart keeps your body healthy, hope will give you a healthy mind. Hope will give you a healthy mind. A mind that's wandering on the verge of confusion. A double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways, Scripture says. And so that's why the devil loves to get in there and wreak havoc in our minds because he loves to bring instability in our mind. And why am I talking about the mind? Because the Bible is very, very clear to us that hope is the antidote. Hope is the antidote for a mind that has no reason to move forward. Look at what the Scripture says. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Listen to this. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Sometimes the devil will come to me and he'll, he'll begin to rail on me. He'll begin to become the accuser of the brethren over my life. And he'll come and knock on my door to see if anybody's home, to see if the sentry. See, this is what I believe the Scripture speaks to us. To see if there's a sentry standing at the front door of the corridor of my mind. Because the devil's going to come knocking to see if he can exploit your mind and to see if he can bring thoughts of hopelessness, uselessness, worthlessness into your life. Because if he can plant some seeds in there, those seeds multiply very quickly. Have you thought about that? How one day, you, you, you know, a bill comes, the billites come in the mail. <laughs> a bill comes in the mail and it's your power bill and you think it's an offer on your house. It's so huge. And suddenly... And suddenly you're looking at that billite and you're thinking to yourself, I'm, 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 I'm going to go bankrupt through this bill. And something that's really not that bad suddenly gets escalated and blown out of proportion because the devil gets a seed in our mind. The helmet of salvation. What we need to do, friends, when you're facing a tough situation, when you feel like hope is draining out of you, is that you just need to remind the devil about one thing. Devil, I have a helmet. It's called salvation. That at the end of the day, I'm going to be in heaven for all eternity, but you're going to be cast into the lake of fire with the devil and, his, with, with the devil and the, the angel, false angels, the de demonic forces. That's where you're going, devil. I want to tell you something, that Jesus' blood has saved me, that I have the gift of eternal life through my faith in Jesus Christ. And as I begin to claim the, the truth of Scripture of eternity being my portion of the gift that God has given to me, that I'm going to live forever with God, that I'm going to be with the angels in heaven. I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. One big party of every tribe, every tongue and every nation singing to the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. You see, we've got to remind ourselves that we have this amazing hope and this hope will guard your mind from your hope leaking out and your hope becoming a lost hope. You know, what is the, the word hope literally means having a positive anticipation that good things are going to happen. 
a positive anticipation that good things are going to happen within your life. Do you carry that hope today? Or are you one of those worry warts when the slightest thing comes along, all of a sudden it's so easily blown out of proportion? God wants to change the way you think today. He wants to to infuse the positive anticipation. Jesus, you love me. Papa, Abba, Daddy, I'm your child. You only have good things in store for me. You have a future. You have a hope for me that there is a destiny and a call of God over my life. I'm gonna remind the devil today that your hand is upon me, that I didn't choose you, but you chose me from the foundations of the earth. Come on, church. Begin to give the devil his pedigree and reinforce the solidness of your position in Christ Jesus today. You know what the great thing about hope is? That hope has a whole lot of family connections when we begin to hold on to hope. Look at Romans 15 verse 13. I love this. Now may the God of hope, hello. If it's not hopeful, then it's not God. May the God of hope fill you. here's, Here's all of hope's first cousins. Fill you with all joy. Praise God. There's the first cousin that you get when you're full of hope. All joy comes in with you. The second cousin and peace in believing. Praise God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. I'll take her along with me. Thank you, Jesus. And peace in believing. And look at that thirdly, and that you may abound the abundance of your God. Joy, hallelujah, peace in the Holy Spirit. Abundance that comes to you through this gift of the Holy Spirit today. Wow, when your mind is filled with hope, friends, suddenly those dry bones don't seem so dry anymore within your life. A great practice for all of us is every day to remind ourselves of at least one thing we can be thankful for. That as we generate thankfulness in our spirit and thankfulness in our heart, Literally, those chemical reactions take place within our body and suddenly things don't seem so grim anymore that there is a great future laid out for us. You know, when we don't make room for hope, hope, the D family comes to visit you. Depression, despair, discouragement, disillusionment, doubts. The D family turn up when hope hasn't got an anchor within your life. But when hope is worn as a helmet over your mind, there's no room for the D family. Depression, you are not allowed in here. Discouragement, I rebuke you at the gate of my mind. Despair, I will not allow you to get me into a position to believe falsely that there is no hope for my life. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You see, friends, what are you, what are you saying, Pastor James? You're talking to your mind? Absolutely, I'm talking to my mind. But I'm not just talking to my mind. I'm talking to evil spirits that inject the poison of these deadly thoughts that come into our mind. And I stand at the gateway of my life and I'll rebuke every demon that would try and make an ungodly suggestion for for that thought to take root in my mind today. It's time, friends, to use what your mind is really created for. Did you know that your mind has a screen? that you have the keys to the projector and it's time to start playing the right movies 
and your mind. Movies of a future that's filled with hope and grace and love and peace and joy. That's the type of movies that you and I need to be playing in our minds. Not these ones of bad things happening to me, of feeling like I've got nobody that loves me. They're the demonic movies that the devil wants to play in your mind. God wants to play these sensational movies of this destiny that He has over our lives. I believe that hope is the real disease of the Christian. Come on. That's what we're called to carry in our lives. And lastly, this morning, the children of Israel said, we ourselves are cut off, cut off. The reason why many people and many Christians feel cut off is because they get disconnected from the body. They get isolated. They get isolated. And isolation is a demonic strategy of the enemy. Proverbs says, a man who isolates himself seeks after his own desire. Come on, church, that's the Word of God. And the devil loves to take that one ember that's glowing with all the other embers in fellowship. You know what happens when an ember is taken out of the fire? You take it out of the fire and you bring it over here. They're still glowing, but your glow's gone because you haven't got another ember to keep your glow going. And so the strategy of the devil is to disconnect you to remove you from fellowship, to remove you from the body of Christ, to remove you from church, to remove you from the people that can really make a difference in your life. They said, we ourselves are cut off. They felt disconnected from one another. Did you know that the Bible says that under Christ, all those who receive Him, that we're family. We have the same Father. I'm your brother. You're my sister. You're my brother. We're blood relatives through Jesus Christ. So whether you like me as your brother or not, it doesn't matter. I'm still your blood relative in Christ. You and I are connected together by virtue of our heavenly Father and through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are family today. And the devil roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil loves to isolate and cut off and separate us from people. God hasn't designed us to be out there on our, on our own. I don't believe any of us can make it on our own. And I'm just reflecting on Jenny's statements today. You know, we have many prophets in New Zealand that have a great gift on their life, but they're never going to make it in the fullness of their calling. Do you know why? Because they've become isolated. And, and the great disease of a prophet is rejection. When the body rejects their gift, then they go into hiding and they go into caves and they disappear from the body of Christ because of the rejection that they're carrying within their life. So to hear Jenny saying this morning, I feel part of the family. I have pastors that believe in my gift. Friends, that's what the real call of the body of Christ is, amen? That we recognise that we honour one another and we give honour where honour's due. So just understand this today before we get carried away here. That true connections are really instant. True connections are not normally instant connections. We live in an instant society where we want everything done right now. 
But making true spirit-to-spirit connections, they don't normally happen instantly. We've got to give them time. And so these bones, when we first see them in the valley, they're all lying there disconnected, aren't they? They're lying on the valley floor. They're not even connected. They're just bones in the valley. Anybody who's come off a farm, you'll you'll go out and do do the run on the farm and you go out the back of the farm and there's a dead animal that you've found. You smell it first and then you find it and then you see the dead bones that are there. And after a while, they break down and they just become disconnected, dry bones. Look what happened, friends, when, when Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. Listen to this. Verse seven, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Listen, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. Hello. And the bones came together bone to bone. I find it interesting in life that many people are trained for their professions. For example, a doctor can be a fantastic doctor, but he can, his bedside manner can absolutely suck. <laughs> You'll never read any of their handwriting, for starters. But so often we're trained for our professions, but we're not trained on how to get along with each other. And so what happens when the Spirit of God begins to move and He's calling us to unite and connect as a body, there's a rattling, there's a noise, there's 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 uncomfortableness. It doesn't always just flow within our lives. We've got to get past the discomfort levels in order to bridge those gaps and bridge those friendships in order to make it happen. It will not happen instantly. But the truth is, friends, is this. If that you don't get along with others, you can't connect. You become a disconnected bone in the valley. So the rattling, literally that word means a vibration, an uproar, a commotion. Fierceness, quaking, rattling, rushing, shaking. And sometimes that can happen. We start to form a relationship and then somebody says something to us. And we go home thinking, what did she mean by that? I didn't like the tone of her voice. And the devil jumps on that. And before you know it, you've already made your mind up. Not going to have fellowship with that person again. Oh, I know where I'm wanted. (laughs) I know where the door's open to me. I'll just take a detour around that, Christian. And you see, it was probably just that they were having a a bad day. We all have bad days. And maybe they weren't so friendly. Maybe the tone of their voice had nothing to do with you. It was because they ran over the cat that morning that they left their house. Or, or, you know, they tripped over the cat as they were walking out the door, that stupid cat, you know. Sorry to all the cat lovers, I love cats. But... (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? The devil is the master, friends, at taking any little variation when we're trying to build relationships. And before you know it, you're an enemy of that person. Instead of taking the time to get past the noise, get past the rattling and begin to engage. And another trap that we have in life, and Christians are very, very adept at this trap. Did you know that? What traps that, Pastor James, is that we have our own little holy huddle. New person tries to break into that little huddle. And all of a sudden, before they know it, Not me, 
doing it directly, but my, my body language, I'm turning my back on them because I'm quite content and happy with the friends I've already got, thank you very much. And I don't need the change. I don't need the drama of bringing on board a new friend. <laughs> you know, this might be a bit dramatic, but it's the truth. Why do you think Jesus said this and preached this message? He said, you're very good at inviting friends round to your house. The people that you get on with, the people that agree with you, the people that you, it's just fun to spend time with. But he said, how about going out into the highways and byways and bringing in the ones that aren't loved, the ones that have really nothing to offer in your relationship. How about having dinner with them? Hello. Well, it's just much easier, Lord. You know, Lord, you don't really understand because, you know, I've had a few conversations with that person and it didn't end well. So we put up a sign, no more room in the inn. <laughs> he that has friends must make himself. He that has friends must make himself. Do you have a friendship sign over your forehead? Friends are welcome. <laughs> or is the, is the inn already full? <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, the devil wants to cheat us from being connected. I'm coming in for a landing now. Colossians 2.18 says this, let no one cheat you of your reward. Wow. Let me say that again. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Taking delight in false humility, the worship of angels, all side issues, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And listen to this. Here's the real problem not holding fast to the head from whom all the body gets nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments who grows with the increase that is from God. You can't get increase if you're not connected. Don't let the devil cheat you of your reward. Connection is a reward and part of your inheritance. Don't be a lone ranger. We all have suffered rejections at different points of time. Don't let those rejections define you. Open your life once more. Begin to embrace new people. This church will never grow past 150 people. This church will never grow past 150. And I'm not saying that we're like this, but here's the reality. If we don't make more room in the inn, to build more people and invite more people into relationship with us, then we will stay content and happy while the rest of the world misses out on you and who God's made you to be. So the, the key to this last verse is, this, is that we, when we're connected, we get nourished. When we're connected, we get knit together with one another. You know, and I, I just, some of our new Christians that I've seen come in this year, I've just, what I've loved about them is that some of them have come in and that they have, they have been, dare I say, touchy. Not as in friendly, but as in, don't touch me. <laughs> but you know, I've watched as the love has worn down 
those external signs that says, stay away from me, and new signs are starting to come up that says, you can approach me now. <laughs> Hello, church. This is going to make for a great fellowship time after church today, eh? Awesome. Everybody's going to shoot out the door as fast as they can. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 8, final verse. As I looked, the sinews in the flesh came upon them. The skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, come from the four winds so that they may live. So I prophesied as he came out, and breath came into them, and they stood upon their feet an exceeding great army today. We are going to stand to our feet as we finish the service today. And as we stand to our feet in just a moment, as we finish this service, I'm going to begin to prophesy and declare over your lives. And I want you to stand up and use what your mouth has been made for, a weapon of righteousness by the Spirit of God, as you begin to declare, as we begin to declare together. This is a group 